This is Golf Talk Canada, Canada's only national golf talk radio and TV program. Presented by TaylorMade and the TP5 and 5X. Try it. What's the best that can happen? Learn more at TaylorMadeGolf.ca. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Zacchino, Bob Weeks, and Adam Scully. Good morning, Canada. Welcome inside GTC on yet another lovely morning here in the GTA. Summer still kind of, sort of, technically is here. But uh, anyway, September golf always at its finest. Adam Scully alongside Mark Sacchino and Bob Weeks. Mark, starting with you, did you get on the golf course on the weekend? I did not. I made a very calculated decision that was controversial in many ways. Uh, We had our Toronto Hunt Club Stroke Play Club Championship this weekend. Now, as you know, I love my club very much. But I am not a fan of 7.30 a.m. tee times. And I am not a fan of potentially rolling the dice with the 7.30 a.m. in the middle of September. Now, Adam, you teed it off the top of the show. It still feels nice outside. And I'm very happy that our club was able to get lucky with the weather. But I have played our Stroke Play Club Championship in September in an 8-degree sideways rain. Okay? You really roll the dice, which is why I am a... Fan of the August long weekend traditional time slot for most clubs in in the province to play their stroke play club championship. Because if you wake up and it's sideways rain on the August long weekend, it's likely 25 Celsius in a sideways rain, right? So I made the calculated decision to say, I think I'm going to take a pass and not play. And you know what? It paid off. Because instead of playing golf, I bared down into my FanDuel account. Oh. And cashed two three-team parlays this weekend. One of which was hinging on my San Francisco 49ers covering, which they did. Uh, I got to watch the DP uh, tour event on Sunday morning. uh, Expecting Ludwig Edberg to go double-dipping. I know we'll get into that. That did not happen. Um, so it was a very, you know, very, uh, quite often though, these, these decisions backfire, not this time. I got everything accomplished. I wanted to accomplish, including a very enjoyable NFL Sunday. Well, plus Mark, I mean, you know, since we won the Toronto hunt member, you've already <laughs> won something at the hunt this year. You gotta, you gotta share the wealth, right? Sh- yes. Bob, for, Bob, for you, uh, did you get on the golf course uh, at all on the weekend? And should maybe we get in a group text with Mark about uh, his fan duel betting? Because it seems like we missed the memo on that one. Bob. <laughs> yeah. Forget this edge uh, picking the three winners this time. I mean, I want to go, I want to get his football picks for next weekend. <laughs> forget about that. Mm-hmm. Um, I did not get on the golf course. I am in Ottawa, the nation's capital, as we speak, and I just ran the half marathon here, the Army Run, raising money for uh, wounded warriors and soldier on and all the uh, military families. So we had a great, speaking of weather, it was perfect weather here for that. It was about uh, 14, 15 degrees when we started off and a good day. But And once my legs recover, I will be back on the golf course. I was going to ask, Bob, because I remember uh, talking with you a couple of years ago after one of your uh, big races. Uh, what was the meal of choice after running a race like that? Was it a big hearty za, maybe an IPA or two or four? 
Yes. Well, my uh, my nephew uh, runs a couple of restaurants here in town. He's a chef. And so we went over to Tavern Tavern at the Gallery and a uh, beautiful outdoor spot and uh, devoured the meat lovers pizza with a couple of uh, IPA chasers. So uh, that was just the start. <laughs> then there was a big Chinese food festival uh, with the whole family here in town. And uh, it was a good a good weekend for eating and drinking after post run. Uh, of course. Well, congratulations on that, Bob. I know uh, you train long and hard, as as you always do, Mark. You, you know, I forgot to mention too. I would first oh. of all, I wish I could squash a guilt-free pizza and a bunch of pints like Bob. Because when I squash a pizza and, and a few pints, there's usually a ton of guilt because I haven't really done much to deserve it. Like Bob could do whatever he wants after that run, and it is like completely guilt-free. But you know what? I I. Be, you know, I am unable to lay any lollies on uh, PGA Tour golf as per my PGA Tour contract. But if I had done it this week, guys, we would have cashed <laughs> on Sahith Fagala as well. So. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, the, the good times keep rolling for Team GTC as we're now resetting our standings like we mentioned on last week's radio show for the FedEx Fall Surprise, surprise, uh, I did not win. I know I, I had a lot of people you know, rooting me on, saying, Skulls, now it's your time. Mark is now the leader. I got to say, we had a lot of players, too, inside the top 10. We had yes, Sonic we Gala. Yep. We had Eric Cole. We had mm-hmm. Brendan Todd. Justin Thomas, as well. Mm-hmm. We see you had him. Uh, a number of guys, Cameron Davis, as well. So we're off to a good start. No TSN Edge picks for a couple of weeks, as the PGA Tour is taking some time off. We will have a special edition of TSN edge picks for the Ryder Cup, which we'll get to in next week's show. But a busy one today. A number of Canadians joining us. Why? Because tomorrow and throughout the week on TV, uh, we are airing our Celebrate Canada edition of GTC, looking back on the outstanding year of golf in Canada. Nick Taylor going to join us. Scott Pritchard from PGA Tour Canada. Mike Weir, one year out from the President's Cup. Can't wait for that. And in hour two, a little profile on Finca Cortesine, which is hosting this week's Solheim Cup. I had a chance to play that golf course a couple of years ago. Before we get to all that, though, let's hit it with some news and some headlines. News and headlines are brought to you by Sandbagger Hard Seltzer. Sandbagger. Everybody knows one. Okay, so early last week, it was Tuesday morning uh, across uh, X, formerly known as Twitter, Uh, There was some video of one Tiger Woods on a driving range for a charity event. And Bob can attest to this because I'm in a little uh, TSN golf group chat with Bob and a couple of TSN producers. And whenever I see Tiger Woods uh, walking upright on a golf course, I'm either texting that, I'm texting Mark, and I'm also texting good friend of the show, Jeff McDonald. Uh, Weeksy, did you see Tiger clip wedges one-handed oh so perfectly? It was very silky and uh, not a divot to be spoken of, not a blade of grass harmed. He just picked those things clean, one hand, and then someone afterwards said, yeah, but why is he practicing that? And I got to thinking, you know, I've seen some guys hit the the one-handed wedges in play sometimes, most notably our uh, analyst Graham Dillette when he was at the the peak of his troubles with his wedges, but uh, I don't think he was practicing anything other than uh, than his show-off abilities with that. Uh, he was out there with Ricky Fowler on a little uh, outing, I guess you'd call it, and uh, we didn't really see any kind of full swing motion, though. That was the only part that kind of left me hanging. 
Yeah, so uh, Ricky Fowler was out there. Will Zalatoris also out there. Looks like he is on the road to recovery, which is also good news. Mark, in, in your mind, do you think there's any chance, you know, maybe, uh, probably not the hero, but the, the, the father-son parent-child event in December, or more realistically, for Tiger swinging a golf club in the TGL events? Do you think that's the first time we maybe see him? Yeah, that might be, you know, that kind of makes the most sense, right, guys? Because he doesn't have to walk. And he doesn't have to get around a golf course. He can just kind of hit it into the screen on the stage. And, and then I, you f- I forget what's happening at midfield with the short game and whatnot. But I was kind of going to reserve any kind of prediction or suggestion on when we might see Tiger. Because, Bob, isn't that Adams? Like, I was waiting. As soon as I saw uh, Tiger hitting chips one-handed, Bob, I, I said to myself, on Monday, Adam is going to pick him to win the Masters. Is the first thing that- <laughs> <laughs> exactly and you know what he's he's proved us wrong more often than he has yep. in scully he's pretty good with those tiger picks i gotta tell you yeah you know i got lucky a couple of years ago that was heading into the hero world challenge uh just looking up the odds for the masters as we speak uh one tiger woods is not current uh, he is 130 to 1 right now on FanDuel to win the Masters this coming year so he, he might need some sort of golf cart maybe do, do they have odds on him playing like what are the odds of him playing do they have that bad uh, we'll have to reach out to our friends <laughs> yeah. at FanDuel about odds of him actually teeing it up but uh yeah if you're currently looking Tiger Woods uh, 130 to 1 to win the Masters, uh, along with Phil Mickelson. So I wonder if there's a, a wager there for Tiger versus Phil, because everyone loves to uh, compare those two. Well, if any, we'll have the latest on Tiger if he walks, if he walks soon, if we see any sort of golf swing, because this is sort of this has turned into like the Tiger season this time of year. Because in the year, years past, a couple years ago when he was flushing nine irons on the range, when my head was about to explode and social media was about to combust right then and there but getting back to guys who are actually playing professional golf as we speak mark you mentioned at the dp world tour bmw championship all 12 members of team europe were in the field seven of them were in the top 10 which is pretty pretty impressive given where the Ryder cup is in the schedule in less than two weeks how does this bode mark for team europe right now i think if you're luke donald you got to be excited i think the only i don't want to say concern concerns a, a, a bad word is the sunday performance of ludwig aberg is that you know he was kind of poised to double dip and go back to back but we got to remember this is a young guy you uh, barely starting his professional career that almost won back-to-back on the, on the European Tour. And more importantly, and this is a, a point that you know Bob has brought up many times, for, for our listeners that are unaware, the BMW Championship on the European Tour is the equivalent of what a player's championship would be on, on the PGA Tour. This is a big jewel in the crown of who is the champion of that tour. And so Aberg not only almost went back to back, you know, he kind of led, he was leading through 54 holes of their crown jewel of, uh, of their tour. So uh, learning, uh, uh, learning to play with the lead. These are all, you know, learning processes. And you know what? I'm going to take cup half full on this, Bob. Let me know what you think on this one. Aberg's going to face a ton of pressure when we get to Rome. He's never played in a major championship before. He's going to put the ball on the ground on Friday morning and feel something running through his body that he's probably never felt before in his entire his entire career. Maybe what he went through this Sunday, 
you know, in a European player's mind, it's a major, that BMW championship. Maybe going through that on Sunday, playing with the lead, having to go through those struggles, hopefully learning from that. Maybe those struggles on Sunday better prepared him for a Friday in Rome. You think there's anything to that? Oh, definitely. I think I think you learn a lot. They always say you learn a lot more from losing than you do from winning. And I think, you know, even though it's going to be a little bit of a different scenario in terms of the style of play, because uh, unless you're playing Sunday singles, you're going to have a partner out there with you who can calm you down probably in this case. But I think you do learn that it's not over till it's over. And I think if you're if you are uh, Luke Donald, you look at that leaderboard. And you go, okay, maybe Aberg didn't play all that well, but I mean, second place, Tyrrell Hatton, third or fourth place, John Rahm, fifth place, Victor Hovum, sixth place, Tommy Fleetwood, seventh place, uh, Rory McIlroy. You know, you can go down and down, and Sepp Straka's in 10th place. You know, it just goes down and down, and great performances from the rest of your team. And uh, so I think if you're Aberg, yes, individually, you look at that and go, ah, that was a miss. But, uh, but collectively, I think it's a big win for the European Ryder Cup team. And have to shout out Luke Donald as well, who not only made the cut playing T36, so Luke Donald, uh, good for him uh, making the cut this past week at the BMW uh, Championship. Before we sign off and go to our next segment here, speaking of Ryder Cup, but someone who won't be playing in the Ryder Cup, and he's the all-time leader in Ryder Cup points. That's one... Sergio Garcia. So obviously he went to live golf. He knew what he was getting himself into. And reportedly this past week, he tried, or recently, he tried to pay his way onto contention to play for the European Ryder Cup side. Now, John Rahm had some comments before this report came out saying, oh, he wishes Sergio could play one day because him and uh, Sergio, the, the two Spaniards, played well together at Whistling Straits, one of Europeans... Uh, their side's uh, lone bright spots of that week. Mark, when you saw this report from Sergio, reportedly trying to pay up to 700,000 pounds, what did you think? Well, this is like, it's it's such in such bad taste. What, what a Sergio apparently did, in air quotations, is approach the DP World Tour and say, I'll pay my fines. The fines I owe you, you know, that I was penalized with when you won the court case against me, I'll pay those in return for reinstatement and a spot on the European Ryder Cup team. It's like, so you know, I'll pay my debt and I'll pay the, you know, my loss in court in, as a pr- uh, quick pro quo for a spot on, uh, for, on the Ryder Cup. I think, I mean, this is in such bad taste, guys. I mean, uh, just, again, with the whole live scenario and the whole live narrative, you don't hear a bunch of people out there taking shots at Harold Varner III. You don't hear a bunch of people taking shots out there at, uh, I'm trying to think of uh, other live players, even Dustin Johnson for that matter. You know, I'm going to get paid a lot of money to p- play less golf. Just be honest. Just be transparent about things. When you start with the other stuff, and this is like a perfect example of it, this is where you know the public kind of turns against you. Bob, I thought this, I mean, this story came out late yesterday. I don't know if you, you were so busy. I didn't know if you had a chance to pick this story up. But did you, did you see it last night? And what was your reaction when you first read it? I did see it. And um, I kind of laughed. <laughs> I sort of thought, first of all, he's going to pay a million dollars, basically, maybe a little <laughs> bit more million, than a million dollars us to try and become eligible for the Ryder cup but he overlooks the fact that maybe he wasn't going to be a pick 
<laughs> anyway, because you don't really know how well he's playing or not playing when he's playing on live. So I think it would be kind of a shot in the dark for Luke Donald to, to put him onto the team other than if you're going by past record and, and that. And I don't know how welcome he would be in the team room. I mean, imagine him and Rory McIlroy sitting in, across the uh, the table from each other. It's just you kind of question him as to what was going on. So it seems like sort of a no, non-starter to me. And I think uh, I think for Sergio, it's kind of maybe grasping at straws. It's a little a little sad almost. Yeah, it certainly is. And we'll have much more on the behind the scenes, what we're actually not going to get at the Ryder Cup a little later in Winners mm. Weird and What. When we come back here on GTC, another TSN Edge victory for us. Sahith Tigala in the winner's circle for the first time on the PGA Tour. We'll, we'll recap his victory at the Fortinet Championship. And what about Justin Thomas? A lot of flashes of the vintage JT. All that and more when, he, when we come back here on Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC was presented by TaylorMade and the TP5 and 5X. Try it. What's the best that can happen? This is Golf Talk Canada presented by TaylorMade. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Caddy Time the Uber-like app that allows golfers across Canada to find affordable, qualified caddies to any round. Visit caddytime.com. Download the app or talk to your PGA professional today. Welcome back inside GTC. Scully, Zacchino, and Weeks here. The whole gang is back together on this lovely Monday in the GTA. And what a lovely Monday morning well, it might not have been for Saad Tagala if he was partying after that victory in Napa Valley. His first career PGA Tour win. Two-shot victory. He is now a PGA Tour winner for Sahith. Before we recap his performance, let's hear from the latest winner on the PGA Tour. Oh, it just it doesn't feel real. It's it's probably not going to set in for a while, but man, that was a lot of good golf, and that was some of the most fun I've ever had in my life. I mean, I had so many family and friends cheering me on, and just the support I have is is mind-blowing. I, I go to bed at night these last few days. I'm like, I can't believe how many people are cheering for me and, and rooting for me, but man, it, this this feeling is incredible, and, and I couldn't have done it without my whole team and everyone out here. I mean, this is such a team effort, and for me to just put it together like this, it it means the world. It means the world to me. Mark, you spent a lot of time, of course, PGA Tour Radio, PGA Tour Live, on location, on the grounds. Uh, Saif Tagala just seems like one of the really good guys on tour for you. You you were on him for TSN Edge this past week. Uh, just how impressive was this victory, this performance by Saif Tagala? It was fantastic because... Finally, for the first time we've seen in a long time, that the, the long game, the game off the tee, matched up with everything we always expect. Like This is one of the top short games in the world. This is one of the best players inside 100 yards anywhere on the planet. And sometimes the long game just doesn't match up. Um, but in all likelihood, if, if the three of us were to sit around and say, okay, who's the best player on the PGA Tour right now without a victory? His name would have certainly have been in that conversation. And this week, instead of being, you know, outside the top 100 in strokes gained off the tee and outside the top 100 in total driving, this week all of a sudden he was 40th in strokes gained off the tee. 
So to make a, a jump from you know your usual position, you, you move up 60-plus positions, and then the rest of your game is still on point inside 100 yards. It adds up to his first uh, PGA Tour victory and uh, probably overdue. And the reason I went with him, guys, was simply just looking at this fall season, I'm wondering to myself, who thinks they should have gotten more out of their 2023 campaign? And I, if I ask myself that question... The first two names that came to mind were Figala and Cole, and the, those are why they were both on the team. And, uh, you know, Eric almost got it done at the Honda Classic, and he was right in this one. But it's a good, it's a good win. It's a, it's a feel-good win, Bob. He is such a great kid. Yeah, he's, he's really a wonderful guy, and I, I've gotten to know him a little bit through the RBC Connection. He's one of the sponsored ambassadors for, for RBC, and very friendly, very happy, always kind of ready to help people, always looking at, the, at everyone else in the big... He sort of seems like a, a wide-eyed kid, even though it's now through two seasons, essentially, to go out there. But you hit the nail on the head with that short game. I mean, his putter is outstanding. And yeah, he, he drives it all over the lot. And, and I will say that on the weekend, on Saturday and Sunday when I was watching, he did get some good breaks. But that's what happens when you win, right? You always get the, the ball bounces back into the fairway or doesn't go behind the tree or, or whatever. And he got a few of those breaks, but that's what happens. And he's going to win more tournaments uh, doing that and playing that exact same way. And with that short game, uh, you got to think that there's that there's more uh, major championship style layouts and major championships that would be good for him. Well, he just missed the Tour Championship, barely 31st in the FedEx Cup standings. Now he is a winner on the PGA Tour. Now, Mark, quick question for you boys. Mm-hmm. To Bob's point, this is a guy inside 100 yards who is genius level and could really take advantage of a little wiggle room off the tee. With this victory, guys, he gets an invitation to Augusta National. Does, does that invitation, does that golf course, when you figure little wiggle room off the tee, need to be genius level inside 100 yards? Like, are we, are we, we know first timers, mm, don't do so great at Augusta. Is but is he a dark horse for you guys? That'd be that'd be a little hard yet. I think I think I need to see a little bit more from him. But uh, contender, yeah, I think uh, I think. But give him. Let's give him a couple spins around Augusta National first to to kind of see a little bit more. We should point out that Sath actually played the Masters last year and holed out on the 16th hole. How, no, hold on. Sim- How did he get in last year, Adam? What's that through? How did he get it? Because he didn't win. Uh, he he made the Tour Championship last year. Ah, there you go. Thank you. Right. So what? So no. this would be his second competitive run around Augusta. Okay. Came so, top ten last year. Top ten. Maybe. Okay, there you go. So so to Bob's point, couple of spins around at least, but maybe. Maybe a contender play, to Bob's point. Maybe you don't have him as an outright winner, yeah. but top five, top ten. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. He could be a, a pick for us to look as we head to the Masters uh, next April coming up, which I'm uh, looking forward to that. Now, someone who has contended, not so much really at the Masters in his career, but two major championship victories. He's playing on the Ryder Cup team in a couple of weeks. Justin Thomas, his first top ten since the travelers now bob jt was on your tsn edge squad after what you saw from jt are you more optimistic of what he could bring to team usa in rome 
Yeah, I think so. I think uh, we saw some improvement, definitely, especially on with that putter. Uh, he ended up finishing, I think, uh, 18th in strokes game putting. So that's obviously a good nod for uh, for a guy who was 191st during the regular season in that category and, you know, really was, was laboring with that. But I think more than anything, it's the combination of, of what he was able to accomplish in a tournament, which he hasn't played, don't forget, for over a month, um, to go out there and play as well as he did and consistently and not have any kind of huge... Uh, I don't know what you call blips somewhere along the scorecard or somewhere along the the statistical look. I think you got to be very very happy if you are if you are Zach Johnson to see that performance. Mark, for you, after seeing what JT did, the adjustment with the driver shaft, the length of his driver shaft, he was much more in control for the most part. Maybe Sunday was a little bit of a blip in the radar. What would you uh, think of JT's week? Yeah, he picked up a couple miles per hour as well, according to him, with the, with the shaft change. To me, it's all about one number and one number only, guys. Um, his iron play has been horrific. He has historically been one of the best iron players in the world, like living inside top five approach uh, this week. 4.978 positive strokes gain approach the green ranks six in the tournament. That is a huge vault up the leaderboard in terms of strokes gain approach. And that is a big announcement that maybe JT's iron play is back on point. Uh, that's what we expect from him. To me, that is the, by far the most encouraging number. Well, JT, he's a captain's pick for the Ryder Cup. It's getting underway just less than two weeks away. Can't wait for that but when gtc continues it was one of the greatest moments we have ever seen in canadian sports history nick taylor's iconic putt of course mark's iconic call on that putt when we come back here on gtc nick taylor going to join the show to recap to look back on that historic moment and look ahead what's coming up shortly for nick taylor all that and more when we come back here on golf talk Canada. This segment of GTC presented by TaylorMade was brought to you by Caddy Time, the Uber-like app that allows golfers across Canada to add affordable, qualified caddies to any round. This is Golf Talk Canada presented by TaylorMade. This segment of GTC is brought to you by WeatherTech Canada, Canada's leader in automotive accessories. Visit weathertech.ca. Well, it's a moment that Canadians, that everyone will never forget. It was a where were you when moment when Nick Taylor from 72 feet 6 inches made the putt heard around the world to win the RBC Canadian Open. And he'll be featured on our Celebrate Canada special edition of Golf Talk Canada, initially airing tomorrow night in prime time on TSN and throughout the day Wednesday across the TSN network. Here's Mark with his iconic call, of course, going one-on-one with Nick Taylor last week, talking about one of the greatest moments we'll ever see in Canadian sports history. Nick, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. I know this is kind of a bit of a time of year where you're doing things and uh, you're busy with things that are not necessarily PGA Tour related. We'll get to that uh, before we say goodbye, but um, we can't take a look back at the year in Canadian golf without taking a look back at one of the greatest moments in the history of Canadian sport. Uh, really transcends <laughs> the game. When I say that to you, wh- what do you feel? What, what are you comfortable even hearing that? 
Uh, I don't know. I, I, I guess in time it's, it's started to sink in of, of, uh, I guess the magnitude for Canadian, for name golf. Um, you know, it's still fun looking back at your call, looking back at, uh, the highlights of just that putt, you know, obviously having one of my best friends, Dave Mark on the bag, our reaction just, you know, I think over time it sunk in, but there's still times my wife and I are sitting on the couch, look at each other like, did that really just happen? <laughs> uh it's been a fun couple months to uh to do that and, and again it's, it's gonna be nice to have some time off and and kind of reflect on that over the next two three months when you do think about it when you go back to that moment can can you put yourself there do those feelings come back can, can does it feel different now than it did at the time i'm imagining at the time the the adrenaline rush must have been uh, you know off the charts yeah you know the, the the strongest kind of memory of feeling that I have is, is when the pot went in and my kind of look over to Dave of, you know, almost pure disbelief. And then just when he tackles me and just pure joy, it, it was, uh, it was quite a memory right there. A lot of it after it is, is I don't remember a whole lot, you know, now that my perception is just the, uh, the coverage that I've seen. So, um, no, there's certain parts that are very vivid still. Other parts I kind of blocked out and forgot. But uh, no, a lot of adrenaline was going on probably the rest of that week, to be honest, in the end of the U.S. Open the next week. Um, there's a lot of a lot of fun times after that. You were having a great year before we got to Oakdale. You almost won in Phoenix. You looked so calm. Um, I remember being under my headset. I was with Rory McIlroy for most of the week. And on the, I believe it was around the eighth hole on Sunday, my producer said, Mark, go find Nick Taylor. Uh, we think he's on eight. You know, you were somewhere around eight. So I went and 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 searched you out. They're going to, you know, put put me on you because our producer felt like, okay, Nick's on to something here. There's something special coming. Uh, did, did you feel it that early in the round? How were you able to stay so calm? Because I remember calling uh, most of your round. I was a complete nervous wreck, if I'm going to be <laughs> honest, because I felt like I was hitting every shot with you, trying to will it into the hole. And I'm trying to not let that come over my calls because, you know, mm -hmm. we're not supposed to be cheering for anyone, <laughs> but it was pretty clear who I was cheering for, and, and yeah. rightfully so. But how were you able, because you, you gave this uh, feeling that, hey, I've got this. Were you feeling that inside or were you just covering it well? You know, like you said, I felt like that whole entire season I was playing well. I had confidence playing in some big moments, you know, dating back to, to waste management in Phoenix. So starting the day, I felt comfortable. I had played two great rounds. The second and third round had a lot of momentum going. Felt like we were reading the greens really, really well. And, um, you know, vividly, I remember a par put on one and three was was crucial to kind of keep the round going. And then from then, you know, I played that front nine pretty much incredible all week. Uh, a lot of guys are maybe even just holding on, trying to get to probably the eighth hole, seventh hole and get the round going. And I was three, four under through six, seven holes the last three days. So that really got my rounds kickstarted. Um, you know, and from there, I just tried to let it take over of kind of some past experiences, not let the moment kind of overcome me. And um, I was able to do it, but yeah, it was a lot of fun being that moment because you could feel the energy of the crowd. You knew the importance of it. Um, I didn't look at a leaderboard really all day. I had a sense of where I was. And uh, the funny part with when I did the walk and talk, I think on the 15th hole, um, Jim Nance had mentioned over it that 
you know, we never had this, somebody do this in the final round, let alone the person leading the golf tournament. I was like, well, I guess I'm leading the golf tournament now <laughs> officially. So, uh, so many little things in that day that were, when you piece it all together, it's uh, pretty remarkable. Well, I- I've got to let you know that when that moment was happening, I was losing it off air in my headset because I've got friends on the CBS golf team, uh, one or two of which that used to work on our radio team. And uh, I was going nuts saying, I can't believe they're doing this. Leave them alone. Why are they doing a walk and talk on a Sunday with a Canadian who's leading the Canadian Open? I was absolutely losing it in our headset while that was going on. But thank God it it didn't phase you like it phased the rest of us. So yeah, um, Yeah. what's the encore? I mean, we're going to be in the fall. You're going to play limited in the fall. Uh, Before we started the interview, we're talking off air. You mentioned you're going to play Vegas and Tokyo. So Mm -hmm. how does this change your perspective for 2024? And correct me if I'm wrong, but my gut tells me that there is one thing on your calendar with a big bullseye around it, and it's about a year out in Montreal on the President's Cup team. That's a huge goal of mine. I think next year there's going to be a lot of big events that I'm now in, you know, having the successful season that I had with the majors, you know, signature events. Uh, the Olympics is one, you know, we've, we've had it twice now and that's definitely on my calendar. But like you said, about a year from now, President's Cup, where's he being the captain, uh, being in our home country. Um, there's a lot of things there that it's, uh, it's kind of the peak of the pyramid where I'm lo- working towards. So, um yeah a lot to be motivated for still uh and that's probably you know that's the end of the road but that's definitely the uh a lot of motivation here to make that team uh before i ask you where you are and let you get to the business on hand because i know you're busy on the west coast with your uh with your charity event how much are you and the guys talking about the president's cup like do you adam Corey, uh you know adam do you guys you're chatting a lot about next fall and what it would mean to get you know a, a lot of canadian jerseys so to speak on that squad yeah i think it's all on our you know goal list um definitely a team that we want to be on how much talk of you know if we if, if we'll be on the team who we play together not much going on there I think Adam and I have Adam Howe and I have great rapport. We obviously played great at Zurich. We played well at the World Cup in the past. Um, pretty sure I've snagged him for the for the Zurich this coming year as well. But um, yeah, I, I think we're all looking towards that. If, when hopefully we could get on the team, we'll figure it out once we kind of do that. But I think all individually, we're just really trying to make that team. All right, tell us a little bit about why you're at West here. You're at your charity event. What uh, what's the charity? What's the event? Where what golf course are you at today? Yeah, so we spent a lot of time. Uh, in Abbotsford kind of for September after the season. Um, it's gorgeous up here. It's a little hot down in Arizona. So we've got a charity event now since I think our sixth year. Uh, we bounced around a couple of times this year. We're out at Cultus Lake Golf Club, which is in Chilliwack. But, you know, the whole goal of our, our charity event is just to keep, support com- uh, community charities. Um, Abbotsford, where we, my wife and I grew up, out in Chilliwack. Um, we're kind of piecing it together with a junior day at my home club, Ledger Golf and Country Club on Friday. Um, until over 100 juniors have kind of registered already. So it should be a lot of fun. Uh, spend a couple hours with them and do a clinic up there. So it'll be a lot of fun. Awesome. Uh, awesome. Nick, thanks so much. Uh, listen, on behalf of everybody, uh, I know you've you've heard it time and time again, but uh, thank you for an absolutely incredible moment in Canadian history. And on a personal level, uh, thank you for the greatest moment of my career. The only problem with this, <laughs> Nick, is uh, it's all downhill for the rest of the way for me, I, I'm never going to get there again and feel that again. So that's the only negative. Well, it's, 
I, I appreciate it. It's nice to have your voice back too. So we're, yeah. we're all good there. <laughs> Nick, I will not see you in the fall as we've got opposite tour schedules, but I'll see you on the other side of New Year's. So have a great fall. All the best to you and your family. And we'll see you in 24. Okay. Thanks, Mark. You too. Great stuff there from Z and uh, Nick Taylor. We'll debrief uh, that much more when we come back here on GTC as well. Mike Weir joining the show one year out of the President's Cup. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC presented by TaylorMade was brought to you by WeatherTech Canada, Canada's leader in automotive accessories. This is Golf Talk Canada presented by TaylorMade. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Play Golf Myrtle Beach, home to 80 great courses, 60 miles of sandy shores, endless dining and entertainment. Visit PlayGolfMyrtleBeach.com to start planning your golf trip today. Wrapping up Hour 1 here on GTC, Scully, Zacchino, and Weeks. Well, if you, if you paid attention to our social media channels uh, last week, you saw that Bob was in Montreal where he got a chance to interview both International President's Cup Captain Mike Weir and U.S. Uh, President's Cup Captain Jim Furyk. We're going to play Jim Furyk's interview with Bob on next week's show. But Bob, overall, what was your experience like uh, in Montreal? It was pretty good. You know, there's already a lot of anticipation. I think having the Ryder Cup sort of coming around gives the people there and the fans there a lot of excitement that this is sort of the same sort of style of thing that's going to happen. Uh, they had the President's Cup there. They actually are going to start building the infrastructure <laughs> uh, next week. So there is a lot of uh, a lot of structure, a lot of, I mean, this is going to dwarf pretty much anything we've seen in Canada before, and uh, it's going to be a huge event. But both players were or both captains, I should say, were, were really excited. They, they ran them kind of ragged. They did a lot of media interviews. They did a lot of photo shoots. They took them all different parts of Montreal. They went to the Montreal Forum. They played in the Montreal Canadiens uh, tournament uh, a couple of days before I was there. So uh, it's all good, though. But they're, they're two great guys and two great captains. And here's the most bizarre part. Both those guys, Jim Furyk and Mike Weir, were born on the exact same day, May 12th, 1970. How about that? That's like the all-time winners weird and what right there. That is just so bizarre. What a coincidence yeah. uh, that is right there. Well, okay, let's hear Bob one-on-one -on -one with Mike Weir. One year out, the President's Cup. Mike Weir, we are roughly one year out from the President's Cup, and here we are at Royal Montreal. And um, how does it feel to come back to a place where you had such great success and you had so many great memories? Yeah, it's great to come back here. You know, I love coming up to Montreal and... Uh, getting back out to Royal here, the, the course, you know, it's subtle changes since the last time I was here. A um, few new tee boxes. I know they had a big rebunkering project last year, and the course was looking really good. Um, but still, you want to scout it out a little bit and see, um, you know, maybe uh, do a few things to, uh, you know, make it our, our home course advantage a little bit. I was just going to say that, uh, were you with the superintendents? Are you going to try and massage this course so it will favor your team? going to try to do that you know this ultimately you know the guys the players have to play and uh, but there's you know statistics that show certain things and you try to do things to, to put the odds in your favor and that's what we're looking for every little edge that we can get for our team and um, but the course looks great and, and you know the superintendent here does a great job She'll, so he'll have it ready uh, I know last time Trevor Immelman made great use of analytics is that something you're planning on using as well yeah, you know, it's been part of our team for the last couple. Um, President's Cup, Ernie, Ernie uh, implemented uh, 
the couple of guys that we use and, and continuing on with them and you know it's definitely part of it it's not the whole thing but you know we definitely use that and um you know so does the u.s team now everybody uses them all the all the Ryder cup teams and everything they, they use analytics what, what's the a year out what is the major task on your to-do list right at this point what are you trying to accomplish at this early stages when you don't really know yeah. for 100 percent what the makeup of the team is going to be yeah i think it's just getting all the little things out of the way so as we get closer i can focus on the players i mean the the team, you know, uniforms, um, our team room, how that's going to be structured, the hotel rooms, our team room at the hotel, food. We, we, we found a great chef here uh, for our team. And uh, that's, a, that's a certain thing that's, that's really important to our guys. You know, the, the American guys, you know, they're used to bacon and eggs for breakfast, same things. Our, our culture is so different, you know. The Korean guys want different things, and, and Japanese guys, South American guys like different things. So, you know, pulling that together and having someone that can pull that together. Um, is really important. So Antonio Park is our guy for that, and um, you know, lucky to have him. But th that's that's some of the things you know a year out that that we're looking at already. Uh, Ernie Els started to really build on the identity of the team. Trevor Immelman certainly enhanced it. What are you going to do to further that? Uh, that is a great point. I mean, I, that's what I'm trying to do is keep building it and set it up for the next guy in 2026. So it's just finding, you know. You know, continuing on what those guys have done, and then finding little things that we've learned along the way through talking to our former players, talking to the captains. What else can we do differently? So, it's a big team effort to to put those little things in play. Um, and you know, the next year, I think I think we're gonna, you know, those find those little edges and find those little wins for our team to not just make it competitive, but to to put the edge in our favor and get us over the top. The Ryder Cup is coming up in a couple of weeks. Can you gain any information from watching that team and watching some of the Americans who will more than likely be your opponents uh, in a year from now? Yeah, I think I think you can. I mean, I'll be watching it. It's a, obviously a completely different golf course. I mean, it's a, apparently a very hilly course, and they've set it up uh, narrow with deep rough. You know, but that's uh, that's U.S. versus the the European team, and the European team has a certain skill set, and our team will have, will be a little bit different. So you don't want to set up exactly. We're not the European team, so um, but definitely be watching and see uh, see if you know if there's anything there I can pick up on for our guys. I'm going to give you an over under of 2.5, and can you tell me you're going to take the over or the under on how many Canadians will make your team? Over. <laughs> I'm going to say over. I, I like our guys' chances. Um, I think that's a good odds number, but uh, I'm going to I'm going to bet on our guys and say the over. Right. I know it's it's a year away, but I'm sure it'll come up fast for you, Mike. Thanks yeah. for your time. Thanks, Weezy. Great stuff there. Love the optimism from Mike Weir. Over two and a half Canadians on the squad for the International Presidents Cup team next year. Now, one thing that I've always just found bizarre and maybe it's because I grew up playing hockey is for all the photo shoots the captains they're always touching the trophy like don't you want to wait till you win the thing to touch the trophy Bob what do you think about that that's funny you mentioned that because when we were out there they were doing a photo shoot and uh, Mike said he didn't want to touch the trophy so they had a, a, a guy from the PGA Tour walking around carrying the trophy and I told Jim Furyk that when I saw him and he goes yeah that's not that's not what's going on he's he's full of it and then about 20 minutes later, there was a photo shoot. They were both holding the cup, and I looked at Jim Furyk, and I said, hey, he's touching it, and he laughed. He says, yeah, I told you, I told you. So <laughs> it's, uh, I guess the, there's no jinx to it. And listen, Mike, Mike Weir has held that thing uh, before in past President's Cup, so if there is anything, it's, it's already, he's already burned the, uh, the chance of, of that working for him. Mark, I don't know about you. I, I've, just, I've always found that just so 
so weird. I mean, I'm, I mean, I was a goalie, so I'm a little different anyway in, in that sense, but uh, just superstition. It just seems kind of strange. I mean, it's throughout sport, right? It's like, you know, what skate do you tie up first and all those things and goalies might be the worst. So you, uh, yeah. your head's going to spin at all this, but uh, yeah. you know what I'm thinking here? Like, could you find two nicer guys than Mike Weir and Jim Furyk? This happens a lot in the president's cup. It really does. Like the year that uh, Jay Haas uh, went against Nick Price as captains. I'm like, we always find the, the nicest guys where, you know, I'm imagining down the road, gentlemen, with a Patrick Reed American side versus an Ian Poulter European side, and I just can't find a human <laughs> being to cheer for in this outcome. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that'd be quite something, but that's too funny about, uh, you know, A, how they have the same birthday. That's, that's nuts. Just- that That's is crazy. So bizarre. And if you ever want to hear about what my mind was like as a goalie back in the day, we'd have to have about 15 shows. Mama Scully. We need to have Mama Scully on for that too, because I'm sure that starts at an early age, Adam. Oh, yeah. That was that was a bizarre, <laughs> uh, bizarre time. Uh, Bob, for you, uh, Bob, you're going to join us again in about half an hour for Winners Weird and What as you make your way back from Ottawa after running the marathon. Hopefully, uh, in the next half an hour, you get your legs maybe moving a little bit, uh, maybe a therapy gun session too or if you're in a car you're probably just going to be even stiffer so uh what i do know bob will talk to you in 30 a minutes. second okay. pizza is what he needs another a pizza for the ride home is what he <laughs> <Yeah>. needs <laughs> that's all right okay talk to you shortly guys Later, okay we'll talk to bob uh, in our uh two for winners weird and what now before we sign off i have to give a shout out here to the ohl alumni association thanks for the invite to the ohl alumni tournament mark you might be noticing i have an eerie otters yes i did notice that where was the event uh where were you skulls yeah it was a diamondback in richmond hill it's it's a club link uh, i know diamondback yes Uh, formerly known as chestnut hill where i played one year of york university golf team out of that venue that's how long ago that is that's like three lifetimes ago yeah okay i did not know that about you oh i mean it's just i mean there's so many layers scully oh yeah but no it was it was a great day had a chance to play with a couple of great guys including victor finley who is now the new voice of the montreal canadians on tsn radio 690 so a great day overall a lot of cool people there the ohl alumni association fond memories uh, from my brief time playing in the ontario hockey league okay when hour two kicks off scott pritchard from PGA Tour Canada, going to join us on the show. Looking back on the year that was in PGA Tour Canada and what's next, all that and more, when we return here on Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC presented by TaylorMade was brought to you by Play Golf Myrtle Beach, the golf capital of the world. Thank you for listening to Hour 1 of GTC. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Golf Talk Canada. For show archives, podcasts, and all things GTC, visit golftalkcanada.com. And don't miss Golf Talk Canada Television weekly on the TSN Television Network. This is Hour 2 of Golf Talk Canada, presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. For over 15 years, our focus has been on helping Canadians stay invested in all market conditions, including this one. Why Picton Mahoney? Visit PictonMahoney.com. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Zucchino, Bob Weeks, and Adam Scully.
Welcome back inside Golf Talk Canada, hour two, the back nine here on GTC. Scully alongside Zacchino. Week's going to join in about half an hour for winners, weird and what, as he's making his way back from Ottawa, running about his 1,000th marathon of his life. Weeksy, a veteran of the marathon. Well, tomorrow evening, our Celebrate Canada special edition of GTC is on prime time in prime time. Uh, on TSN and it'll be airing a couple times across the TSN network on Wednesday as well. Earlier in the show, we heard Nick Taylor speaking with Mark about his iconic putt to win the RBC Canadian Open. Next up, Mark also went one-on-one -on -one with Scott Pritchard from PGA Tour Canada, looking back on another great successful year and previewing what is to come. Here's Mark with Scott Pritchard. Scott, always a pleasure. Thanks for taking the time to do this with us on Golf Talk Canada as we take a look at the year back in Canadian golf and a look at the year back on PGA Tour Canada. Before we get to, you know, the year that was, and it's an historic year as it's the final year really of what you and I grew up with as the Canadian Tour and then eventually PGA Tour Canada. But before we get there, we have a five now. We've handed mm -hmm. out a, a Fortnite Cup. We have five players. They are heading to the Corn Ferry Tour. They are heading to the final stage of Q School. And one of them happens to be Canadian. So it was a nice way to put a bow on the season. It sure was. I mean, you look at Etienne Papineau, uh, first Quebecer to win on PGA Tour Canada, first Quebecer to have Corn Ferry Tour status in 20 years. Carl Desjardins was the last player uh, from Quebec. Actually, he's actually from Ontario, Hawkesbury, but... He is, you know, known in, in Quebec circles uh, for sure. So, um, you know, and then Hayden Springer, you know, winning twice uh, in once in, in Manitoba and then winning the Fortinet Cup. And Hayden Springer is actually, a, I would say, a, a player to watch. He actually beat Victor Hovland in college in, in one of his last tournaments of the year, the Big 12 Championship. Uh, so certainly has pedigree um, and impressive player. Uh, as well as Sam Choi, who finished number two. I think at the beginning of the season, uh, people would ask me, you know, who's the player to watch? And, and the reality is when you look at the history of PJ Tour Canada, you know, players that have finished in the top five, uh, even other players that have not finished in the top five and have earned PJ Tour status, um, it's so hard to pick one player or a handful of players. But I can tell you, Sam Choi, who finished second, is quite the player. He had seven top tens this year, as well as a victory at the Windsor Championship. Uh, he was devastated to not finish first, uh, but I suspect he'll use that as motivation going into final stage of Q School. And and who knows? Now that there are five cards available uh, for the PGA Tour season next year, Sam Choi potentially has the opportunity, along with uh, the others that finished in the top five that get into final stage of Q School. They have the ability to potentially get a PGA Tour card and skip the Corn Ferry Tour altogether. So it'll be exciting to watch. Is that the biggest misconception, Scotty, uh, for people who are maybe not as familiar with PGA Tour Canada as obviously yourself or myself or Adam and Bob, people within the golf community, uh, how close the line actually is when you say, you know, players to watch. I mean, that is such a thin line between mm -hmm. a guy competing week in, week out on the uh, on PGA Tour Canada to next, you know, within a 12-month period, all of a sudden he's a winner on the PGA Tour. Like, that is a very thin line. Indeed. And it's happened a few times. I mean, Nick Taylor is a great example. He His last season on PGA Tour Canada was 2013. His last event would have been in September around this time. 
and he won the Sanderson Farms uh, championship in November of 2014. So, you know, just over a year removed, uh, winning on the PGA Tour. Ryan Gerard is the, a, a really good recent example, a player that played a full season up here last year. He won the Quebec Open. Uh, he Monday qualified for the Honda uh, in Palm uh, uh, West Palm Beach earlier this year parlayed that he finished top 10 and he parlayed that into sponsor exemptions and eventually got special temporary membership on the PJ tour. So he was less than a year removed from playing on PJ tour Canada and he's a full PJ tour member for next season. And so I suspect, you know, with the, with next year in the merger of the PJ tour Latino America and PJ tour Canada becoming PJ tour Americas, you're going to see that more often because that like our tour, um, in terms of PJ Tour Canada has been super competitive, as you know. And I often say I think it's one of the most competitive tours in the world. And now you're bringing two tours together, and it, so it's going to be very competitive. Okay, we're going to get to that. But before we get to PJ Tour Americas, which launches March 2024, before we get into the, some of the details uh, of next year and what it's going to look like, um, taking a look back, uh, this year, I guess this is two questions for you. Uh, what stands out this year, whether it's a highlight of a round of golf you saw with your own eyes or uh, just something that, that stood out about your journey across uh, the country this year. And uh, part two of that is, yes, there are big things ahead, but you know what will you miss now that uh, the Canadian golf community closes the door uh, on a long history of uh, what was the Canadian tour? Yeah, well, great question. You know, I think having a Canadian win the first event of the year, it's the first time that that's happened since Rob McMillan did it in 2000. Uh, so, you know, a long time in between Canadians winning the kickoff event uh, in Victoria, which has been the longest standing event on on the Canadian Tour, PJ Tour Canada. I mean, it dates back to uh the early 80s um and the same people that started the event are involved a gentleman by the name of keith dagg has put his heart and soul into that event and still does and uh he's in his mid 80s so uh you know that that's really great to see i think you know i, I tend to to keep tabs on the canadian contingent as i think you know uh, Stuart McDonald uh, played on the Corn Ferry Tour last year for the last couple of years, actually, uh, didn't play so well up there. So he came back down, um, won our event in Ottawa in pretty convincing fashion um, in, a, in a playoff. Um, and, you know, Hayden Springer winning twice. Really, you know, if you look, he shot 22 under in Calgary at Country Hills. The next closest player was 17 under. Uh, so, you know, very convincing fashion, uh, really kind of soft-spoken guy uh, from uh, Tennessee. But I expect, you know, he, he or I will say he does all his talking on the on the golf course. Um, you know, again, it's been a it's been a really, really good season returning to Windsor uh, for the Windsor Championship. Uh, Adam Wagner, who's our tournament director down there, did a fantastic job along with Marty Comsa, who's their, their tournament chair. I mean, there's a whole list of, of people um, <clears throat> that are behind the scenes on PGA Tour Canada, our partners that, that help run these events in these communities across Canada who make uh, impact uh, across the board. I mean, I look at Ottawa, Soldier On, $100,000 was raised for Soldier On. Um, TPC Toronto, our event up there, Osprey Valley Open raised over $250,000 uh, for local charity in Caledon. So those kind of things, 
um, you know, are super important to us as an organization to see uh, the impact that it makes in the community and the money that comes to it, you know, via charity, but also through the economic impact. Um, so yeah, all in all, it's been a great year. It was a great culminating event in Calgary. And now we're looking forward to, uh, to next year. All right. Next year, March 24 PGA tour Americas kicks off. It, it will end very similar, uh, Labor mm-hmm. Day here, uh, in Canada. So the North American leg of this is going to look a lot similar. So although we close the door on PGA tour Canada and the Canadian tour, we open up a very big, uh, door, uh, that should be really good for the game. Great for players and, and just makes that vertical ability to uh, get to the next level. Uh, I, I want to say easier, but easier on the player in terms of where am I going to play? What's my schedule look like? Uh, those types of things are important to these developing players. And again, the Canadian part of this is not going away. Yes. So there'll be 16 events on PGA Tour America, six in Latin America, nine in Canada, and one in the United States, which would be our event, the CRMC Championship in Minnesota. Um, and uh, so players will gain status via the top 60 finish this year, but also through PGA Tour Finals Q School. Uh, so the top five in ties, as I mentioned earlier, will go to the PGA Tour uh, 6 through 40. We'll have Corn Ferry Tour status and then 41 uh, up to a certain number hasn't been established at this point. We'll have status on PGA Tour Americas for the first six events. Uh, so there'll be sort of the Latin swing, and then you'll move over to the North American uh, swing. Uh, so we're super excited about it. Uh, our intention is to announce the PGA Tour Americas schedule uh, in the next few weeks, looking into October, um, which is earlier than than we ever have. Uh, but that talks to the excitement and the commitment that our partners have uh, across both Latin America and up here. Uh, and, you know, we couldn't be more excited to to get that news out and also talk a little bit about eligibility. Uh, you mentioned, the, call, call it meteoric rise of, of a few uh, that have happened, but I, I suspect we'll see that more. And uh, the top 10 finishers uh, on the Fortinet Cup points list at the end of the season next year will earn uh, full corn fairy tour status, which is better than what we've had ever in, in the past. And so, like you said, that's going to give the players the ability to set their schedule, uh, you know, really give them peace of mind so they can focus on the task at hand, which is ultimately for them to get to the PGA tour. Got you and your team did uh, just an incredible job. I mean, you really brought the the glory days of the Canadian tour back in the, in the last few years of PGA tour Canada. So uh, you know, I've, I've told you time and time again, we think you and the team did an exceptional job. Uh, we can't wait to see what you do next with uh, PGA Tour Americas. And we'll uh, we'll keep our eye on October. We'll stay in touch when they, you make that announcement and uh, we'll get that schedule out and uh, on Golf Talk Canada. So thanks for taking the time. Congratulations again on an amazing year. We're looking forward to 24. Thanks, Mark. We appreciate your support as always. Great stuff there from Z and Scott Pritchard. And Mark, I've told you this many times. One of the favorite things that we do on this show is speaking with the winners on PGA Tour Canada right after they win. Because, you know, we watch all these great Canadians, all these up and coming players uh, on the PGA Tour week in, week out. But sort of, you know, we get to tell the stories of these players looking to become the next one, to make their way up. And we'll be doing the same thing uh, next year, I'm sure, too, with the PGA Tour Americas. Yeah, it's uh, because, again, you you know that they are headed towards something on a much larger scale. 
Uh, the tour has proven that, as Scotty suggested there in that interview. I mean, the graduating class and what they've gone on to accomplish at the PGA Tour is exceptional. You know, um, while we were listening to that interview, I was just kind of reflecting back about, you know, the history of the Canadian Tour. And, you know, th- there is a portion of me that is sad in a sense, although this makes an incredible amount of sense and is wonderful for the game and, and great for the players trying to make their path through the Corn Ferry and then eventually PGA Tour. But, I remember, Adam, 1992, I was 17 years old, and I was carrying cable for TSN at Glenway Golf Club. I don't even know if Glenway Golf Club uh, still exists. It was on the south side of Highway 9, west of Young Street in Newmarket, and it was hosting the Ontario Open on what was then the Canadian Tour. TSN was doing some type of production around it. Bob Bob will likely be able to recall this. Steve Stricker was in the field. Uh, used to play primarily 1992-1993 as golf on the Canadian Tour. Frank Nabolo was in the field. I mean, looking back now, I mean, this is uh, another lifetime ago, but I mean, the the history of the tour and the great players that have come through, you go all the way back into the you know, 50s, 60s, 70s, etc. Pretty exceptional. But I'm looking forward to PGA Tour Americas. I think uh, it makes no sense for all these like um, feeder tours, developmental tours to compete against one another and try to you know, figure out you know, how they're going to you know, align their schedules without truly aligning. This is now an actual alignment under one tour. It, it, to me, it makes a ton of sense, even though there's many of us who are, you know, a little romantically sad about this. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And it's going to be great competition as well on PGA Tour America. So looking forward to that. And like you mentioned with Scotty, we'll uh, announce uh, or we'll play, uh, have another interview, I'm sure, uh, when the schedule is released for next year. Now, we didn't get a chance to speak right after your interview uh, with Nick Taylor. Uh, what was it like, you know, before and after? There's always sort of a preamble post. Uh, what was it like just chatting with Nick Taylor before you guys got going? Because you can tell he's in a great uh, frame of mind after his best ever season on the PGA Tour. Yeah, I think um, I, I think he's still, for lack of a better term, fly, flying around on, on cloud nine. Um, I think when you and Bob and I had our discussion last week about who could have a big year next year, obviously it's nice to be able to pick, like all of us could have had multiple Canadians that we think could, could play well next year. I just, I went with Nick Taylor simply because I think he's now, it's in a way he's playing with house money. And you can tell with the energy in that interview. He's like, and he said it, I'm already in a bunch of like signature events next year. I'm already in this. I've got, you know, President's Cup kind of on the board as, as the target. Um, I also think what he went through at Oakdale, once you've been able to do that, rip that monkey off your back, I mean, he's prepared for weekends at majors. He's prepared for the President's Cup now. Almost anything he does now the rest of the way in his career is not going to feel as overwhelming as the mountain he climbed at at Oakdale. Uh, you know, that's a scary, that's a scary Nick Taylor. You know what I mean? When it's like, okay, yeah, I can do this. I just did this. Everything else, you know. So as long as he, you know, still wants to put in the work, be that guy, which I know he does. Um, you know, I think I'll, I'll go back to what I said last week. I think the Nick Taylor we saw in 2023 and the Nick Taylor we're going to see in the next 24 months is the Nick Taylor we all expected to see about eight 
years ago, seven years ago. And it just sometimes takes guys a little bit longer to get to uh, to get to that that I guess the maturity of their professional game uh, that that uh, we anticipated just happening a little later in life for Nick, you know. When he was the number one amateur in the world, expectations sky high, and now he has the most iconic, one of the most iconic moments in Canadian sports history. I, I can't wait for our year in review specials, Mark, because we always like to look back, and I, I we'll do something special on where we all were when the putt went down how close you were to bob uh, i was in the sports center newsroom when when it went down uh, one of the craziest moments that we'll ever see nick taylor getting it done winning the rbc canadian open thanks again to scott pritchard for joining us you can also watch that interview with scotty and nick taylor as well tomorrow night in prime time we'll get those our... out on our youtube yep. social media instagram yep. so you, if you missed seeing... it and you mm-hmm. want to hear it if you miss nick taylor from the first hour or whatnot and We'll get yep. it out there. You'll you'll be seeing the Nick Taylor interview on YouTube probably later this afternoon. Scotty Pritchard tomorrow or at the latest Wednesday. Can't wait for that. And looking forward to our Canadian uh, Celebrate Canada special tomorrow night throughout the day on Wednesday too on TSN. When we come back, we're heading into a great stretch of golf in terms of match play. This weekend, it's the Solheim Cup. Next weekend is the Ryder Cup. When we come back here on GTC, a little profile on Finca Cortesine in Andalucía, Spain, which is hosting this week's Solheim Cup. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC was presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. For over 15 years, our focus has been on helping Canadians stay invested in all market conditions, including this one. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Cobble Beach, Georgian Bay's extraordinary waterfront golf resort community. Learn more about their award-winning golf course and growing community. Visit CobbleBeach.com today. Looking forward to making my way to Cobble Beach after, Mark, you were there a couple weeks ago. I'm looking forward to making my way there early October when schedules can align. Can't wait for that. Well, this weekend, it is the Solheim Cup, which is a great event in the world of golf. Next week, it's the Ryder Cup. So back-to-back weekends of awesome uh, match play material. Now, I actually played the golf course back in Spain, Andalucia, a couple of years ago when we had our Spanish travel special with our friends from Golf Away Tours. And while I was there, I spoke with their general manager, Francisco de Lancaster David. Hope I'm saying that right. The general manager, golf leisure operations for Finca Cortesine. Let's play that interview myself with Francisco finished playing Finca Cortesine. What a challenge. We had a great time. For those who haven't been here, tell us about the golf course and some of its strengths. Well, it's an amazing golf course. Uh, it's designed by Cabell Robinson. Uh, he's done quite a few tournaments uh, in this re- uh, few golf courses in this region. And um, as you said, it's, it's a great challenge. Uh, we've been host of the World Volvo Match Play in three years, and, um, and we're excited for the Solheim Cup. You mentioned it right there, Solheim Cup 2023. We're so excited to see it, too. What's your excitement level for the Solheim Cup coming here in 2023? Well, it's great. We've, we've just had the announcement of uh, uh, Susan Patterson as the captain for the European to, for the European team a couple of days ago. 
um, we're for us uh, we can contribute to to golf in Spain uh, obviously the values of the Solheim Cup are very special they're aligned with Finca Cortesin as well equality sustainability uh, Susan is also a ambassador for Geo Foundation so for us it's it's a great tournament to host um, and we hope the legacy will stay for a long time now hosting a tournament of this magnitude is so much more than just golf. There's grandstands, there's hospitality tents, there's fans, there's volunteers. What's that process been like? I know we're early on here as we record, but what's that process been like dealing with everything around the golf as well? Yeah, we, we've, we've started to have all those discussions with the promoters and the other stakeholders of the event. And uh, as you said, there's a lot to plan. Uh, we're lucky that we have a, a huge piece of land around us, um, but from from the next couple of months we'll get more into it and more into the detail. But there's a lot of uh, moving pieces that you have to make sure they're right, uh, and we will for sure be ready for it. Now we just finished playing the golf course moments ago and a lot of us in our group here spoke about how great this is going to be for match play. But in your mind, what makes this course such a great match play venue? I think it's the, the risk-reward holes. Uh, you have quite a few uh, par fours where, where you can reach um, if you want to. Um, the par fives as well. Every single hole is very strong on its own. Um, we saw it in the World Volvo Match Play events. Uh, the excitement of the players and the strategy and the decision-making they have to do. Um, we were lucky to have Susan here the other day and go around the golf course with her and um, it's great to see that she thinks the same as well uh, but obviously we'll we'll have to make sure we set it up uh, as Susan uh, would like to see it as well and um, yeah it, it's just a great a great match play uh, golf course. Now what do you think hosting a tournament of this magnitude will do for Spanish golf because the entire world is going to be glued to their TV sets if they're not actually here on the property watching the Solheim Cup that week. So what do you think this will do for Spanish golf overall? I think it can have a really uh, positive impact. We've seen it with the Ryder Cup in, um, in Valderrama. Um, it was a big boost for golf in Spain. Uh, it can also act as a motivator. Uh, for Spanish golfers. Uh, we have the example of John Ram. So John Ram actually, uh, his first tournament that he went in person was to the Ryder Cup at Valderrama and uh, see where he is now, world number one. So hopefully the Solheim Cup can act the same way uh, to inspire uh, new golfers, uh, male or female, uh, in Spain and maybe in 20 years time we'll have another amazing uh, golfer because of an event like this. Well, 2023, not too long way. We're so excited to be back, hopefully, in person to see the Solheim Cup. Francisco, thanks for your time today. Thank you. Thank you. Can't wait for the Solheim Cup. Really enjoyed playing Finca Cortesine two years ago with Golf Away Tours during our Spanish travel adventure of GTC. When we come back on the show, it is winners, weird, and what? Lots going on, both on the golf course and on social media, too. And you won't want to miss Bob's weird, because throughout our time here on GTC, Bob's had some pretty epic weirds. Well, this one might top it all. We'll discuss that when we come back here on Golf Talk Canada.
This segment of GTC presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management was brought to you by Cobble Beach, Georgian Bay's extraordinary waterfront golf resort community. This is Golf Talk Canada presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Cadillac, Experience Cadillac. Join one of our agents for a personalized virtual live tour of Cadillac SUVs, sedans, and EVs. Book your tour at cadillac.ca slash live. Welcome back inside GTC. Adam Scully, Mark Sacchino, and now rejoining us on the show, Bob Weeks. Bob, have you started making your way back from Ottawa? Yes, we're uh, just moving through, uh, getting ready to come, actually not far from Smith's Falls, where, oh. of course, Brooke Henderson uh, lays claim to uh, being from, and uh, we're having a beautiful day for a ride here. Okay, well, uh, we hopefully it's a smooth and safe ride for you, but it is Winners Weird and What. This week, Bob, you have the tea. So, so what do I do? Just aim for the pond? No, you're not supposed to hit it into the water. But you hit it into the water. I know I hit it into the water. Well, why do they even have water if you're not supposed to hit it there? Because it's fun! We're having fun! Look, it went further than your ball! All right, guys. Well, my uh, winner this week is the guy who took top spot on the BP World Tour, and that is Ryan Fox at the BMW PGA Championship. As Mark was indicating earlier in the show, it's really... That's really one of their biggest events of the season. It's kind of their players' championship, and for Foxy to come through and win that is big for him. He might be the most uh, underrated non-PGA Tour player with with a lengthy bit of a history with him, I, and I, I think he's going to start to shine a little bit more. Uh, he apparently is going to play a little bit more on the PGA Tour next year, so I, I like that. The one thing that sort of struck me about this win, however, was his... Uh, lack of celebratory skills with a bottle of champagne. I'm not sure if you saw this, but they gave him a bottle of champagne. He said he'd never opened a bottle of champagne before. He wasn't really quite sure how to do it. So he kind of shook it up, but not very much, and the cork kind of popped out, and there was a little bit of a of a shot of champagne streaming out, but nothing like you see with the Formula One guys or anything. And then he tried to take a, a drink out of it, and it, 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 he admitted seconds later, he said, oh, that all went up my nose. So... Maybe if he gets a few more wins, he'll uh, he'll be a little bit better with uh, with the champagne skill. Uh, <laughs> my weird this week, and this is one that caught my eye. This goes back to the old days when I used to find the very strange and unusual ones that had nothing to do with the, the tour golf. But this one took place at a golf course in Boston uh-huh. where uh, two players on the golf course, one was following the other and felt that he was holding him up. Anyway, that led to some fisticuffs. Uh-huh. And, in fact, the fight was so severe that one player bit half of the other guy's thumb off. <laughs> Hold is, on. That is a pretty extreme fight. I don't know what that happened, but uh, apparently they, uh, the police came and they were able to pick up the piece of the thumb. Now, I'm not sure if they were able to reattach it or not. So, uh, boy, that's if you want to handicap a guy, that's certainly a way to do it. Mark, have you ever seen anything that extreme? I mean, Bob, we've got our characters at our golf clubs and all, and uh, we've seen a few things over the years, but biting someone's thumb, like, what has to go through someone's brain before they go to that option? I mean, like, oh, my God. I mean, take a breath. 
Yeah, you really have to be annoyed with slow play to fight someone's son off anyway. Well, uh, and then well my, Bob, Bob, is, you know what we need yeah. to do? We've got to tell Ben Crane that some, he could lose a thumb if this keeps oh. up. Or or maybe oh. Patrick Cantley. Yeah. That should be the that should be the new PGA Tour penalty if you want to speed up play. Okay, if you don't speed up, you you lose the top of your thumb. That's it. Yeah. And then my uh, my what this week takes us to uh, New York City, where Tiger Woods may not be playing golf, but he and Justin Timberlake have now opened up a massive twenty three thousand square foot sports bar called T Square Tiger and Timberlake uh, Social Club, which is basically a golf themed. Sports bar. They've got four giant simulators, uh, full swing simulators, as well as a 200 square inch television on which you can watch golf. And it is uh, apparently the entire city block in New York on East 42nd Street and East 43rd. So next time you're uh, in New York City and you want a little golf fix, apparently you can head over to the T Squared Social Club. Wow. Uh, and I'm not sure who, who am I throwing to now? To me, Mark. Bob. Toss it to me. <laughs> Mark, I'm, Mark, you now have the team. I'll answer the question. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! All right, I don't know if you guys know this, Bob. On, on that T-squared news story, I rumor has it that they are have circumvented uh, the geofence and are airing Golf Talk Canada. Uh, uh, somehow God. in T squared, I you know <laughs> on that a two that you that sure a packed bar. Oh, you the three of us on a two hundred square foot screen? Are you kidding me? I mean, <laughs> unreal. All right, uh, my winner, guys. I always like it. You know, Bob and I always like to champion the old guys because we're old guys. And uh, although Bob acts like a young man, I act more like an old guy. Bob's uh, <laughs> uh, finishing marathons and squashing pizzas. I am not. I'm watching football on my couch while that's going on. But Steve Stricker won his sixth Champions Tour event of the year. And guys, when you think about going back a couple of years ago, how sick Steve Stricker was and the illness that he had to battle through to come back to a six-time winner this year, uh, setting a new Champions Tour earnings record, almost $4 million in the in the uh, bank. Scully, that's pretty cool, no? It's certainly impressive, and, you know, that short game has shined throughout uh, his career. And like you mentioned, too, coming back from the illness that he had after captaining the U.S. to the Ryder Cup victory, this is quite something. It is quite something, and uh, when we talk about nice guys like Jim Furyk and Mike Weir, like we spoke of earlier, you can put Steve Stricker right in that same category. Okay, uh, Jimmy Walker. Bob, why is Jimmy Walker whining about the 125? I, I don't know if you saw his comments this week from the Fortnite Championship. He was asked what he felt about the new FedEx fall and the top 50 and what that status gets you and top 70 and then, of course, 125. And he basically kind of went on a wah-wah fest and... You know, they keep changing the rules. Uh, his quote, and, and I'm paraphrasing, was, I've been trying to target the top 125 all year, and they keep ch- changing the rules on me. My first question is, why are you targeting targeting 125? Why aren't you just trying to play as good as you can? If you play well, the rest will take care of itself. Number two, the rules are the same for everybody. And number three, last year, like the year before, 
The top 125 keep their card. This year, the top 25 keep their card. So I'm not sure, Bob, what he's whining about. Well, I'm not sure either. I, I think he is playing this year on a uh, lifetime money exemption, if I'm not mistaken on that. But, uh, you know, the answer, Mark, to just about every question in golf, we know what it is. It's play better. Play better. Exactly. Okay. And my what this week, and I want to get this, uh, I want to ask you both a question. Uh, Shadow Creek, gentlemen are raising their green fees to $1,250 per person. Now, not only have they raised them to $1,250, there is a, a caddy fee on top of this. You must take an MGM limo to the property and back. <laughs> and, and, hold on, you can't get a tea time. They've just completed a bunker renovation, and the next tee time available at Shadow Creek is in December, if you were to try to even get on the golf course. So people are paying the $1,250 plus, 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 plus. I think this is absolutely insane for a desert make-believe golf course. Don't kid yourself. I've played Shadow Creek. I love it. It's a fantastic venue. But this is not Pebble Beach. This is not Royal County Down. I will ask you both, roughly off the top of your head, What's the most you've ever paid to play golf? Scully, I think my gut is with you. I'm going to say it's either something in euros or pounds that was converted or Pebble Beach is going to be my guess for you. Do you know? Well, funny enough, Mark, one year ago today, I was playing Spyglass Hill. So okay. it, it would have been one of those rounds. Uh, Royal mm-hmm. County Playing 36 holes at Royal County down would, would have been in a similar uh, margin in, ter- uh, in terms of cost. I don't know exactly what it was, but probably one of those. That, that was the most I've ever paid to play golf was Royal County down because it was 300 pounds. And then you've yeah. got to do the conversion because it's Northern yeah. Ireland. It's pounds. Bob, what's the most you've ever paid to play golf? Uh... Just under ten thousand dollars. That's the membership I paid. Uh, <laughs> and the way, the way I look at it is that first round is expensive, and all the other ones are free. So that's I love about it. All I can say. I love it. All right, that does it for me, Adam. The tea is now yours. Three forty-eight. Oh. <laughs> oh man, that is sweet. All right, team. Uh, My winner this week is a member at St. George's by the name of Steven Jackson, who holed out not one, not two, but three different times from the fairway in one round during a match. He made a double eagle on the fourth hole from 233 yards. He then eagled the seventh hole from 135 yards. He made another eagle on the 14th hole from 237 yards. That totaled 604 yards of total holeouts. He won his match, shot 66. But Bob, what might have been even more impressive, he did this all with a broken toe, which is all certainly impressive. And I know you'll remember this, Bob, very well. When I made that albatross back in January, I think I'm the first person in the history of golf to ever make an albatross and still be over par on the par fives for the day. <laughs> there was an eagle there too, Bob. <laughs> I do. I do remember that, but not very. I remember your, I remember your celebration more than anything, but I'm, I'm hoping that uh, this fellow at St. George's had a good celebration as well, because that's a pretty remarkable achievement. 
Yes, and I will never forget, Bob, you looking at me because I was dancing in front of your shot, and you said, can you get out of the way? I'm trying to play my shot here. It was only after the sixth minute of celebratory dancing yeah. that I asked you. Asked you yeah, you're like, am I getting out of the way, sir? Thank you. Anyway, my weird this week. The first season of Full Swing PGA Tour Netflix was very successful. Uh, and you might think the Ryder Cup coming up, maybe some behind-the-scenes access that we've never seen before. And Zach Johnson has kiboshed this, saying they don't want the Netflix cameras behind the scenes, which I like. I get it to a degree. But Mark, come on, like, let's see these guys' personalities when moments get tense and dramatic. What do you think? I think it's complete BS. I think I could understand if this was going to air live or prior to the tournament. Uh, and then, you know, because you don't want to give the media any more information or any more bullets because they just take things and run with it. I get it. There's a lot of irresponsible coverage out there. But this is something that's going to air like six months, five months after the Ryder Cup's over. And uh, I'm sure the PGA Tour isn't thrilled about this, guys, because they're the ones that typically sign off on this first. And then, you know, Augusta signed off on giving access to Augusta. And everybody kind of did their part except Team USA. Hmm. Weird. Just a, just a really weird, uh, really weird story. Okay, my what before we go to break here. Michael Kim, who I have to say, you, you got to follow this guy on Twitter because he gives a lot of honest thoughts, uh, a lot of long thoughts too. I'm sorry, on X. I have to correct myself there. On X, formerly known as Twitter. And this guy uh, went on a, he put a, long tweet out there in the four or five paragraph range, but really gave an inside look on what PGA Tour members receive every week in terms of equipment. So you might think, how many golf balls do PGA Tour members get, or players get every week? So Michael Kim goes on and says, we get three dozen balls every week, four for majors. He goes through two dozen during tournament rounds. Uh, gloves, four each week. Hats, three per week. So I, I just thought this was pretty cool. It's very just, cool. Yeah, just a little inside baseball, if you will, look on what these players get on a week-in, week-out basis. And, you know, of course, throughout the year on 20 Weeks of TaylorMade, sometimes we give away six dozen golf balls. They'll work. So good on Michael Kim uh, for giving us this inside look. Uh, Weeksy, safe travels to you for the rest of the day. We'll see you tomorrow evening in primetime for our Celebrate Canada special. Safe drive, Weeksy. And Bob, I'll see you uh, Friday. We're going to play some golf Friday, finally. Yes, with our friends from Golf Ontario. I'm looking forward to uh, getting taught another lesson by you, Mark. (laughs) Safe travels, Bob. Safe travels. Safe safe travels, Bob. Take care. That's Weeksy on his way home, and I'm guessing those legs might hurting after four or five hours in a car after running a marathon but he's a veteran of that he knows how to deal with that okay when we come back here on gtc leaderboard updates in the world of golf we'll tee up our schedule here going forward and maybe we'll talk a little uh, our golf games too maybe we'll have to wait and find out this is golf talk hand this segment of gtc presented by picton mahoney asset management was brought to you by cadillac cadillac experience Cadillac. Join one of our agents for a personalized virtual live tour of Cadillac SUVs, sedans, and EVs. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. This segment of GTC is brought to you by 
Adidas Golf, and the ZG23. ZG23 continues to push limits on lightweight performance footwear with introduction of Lightstrike and Lightstrike Pro technology. They're light. They perform. They're here to compete. Visit adidas.ca slash golf. All right, wrapping up this week's edition of GTC with some leaderboard updates. Leaderboard updates brought to you by Bushnell Golf, the number one rangefinder in the world of golf. PGA Tour Fortnite Championship. Sahif Tigala gets it done. First career PGA Tour win. PGA Tour champion Sanford Invitational. Steve Stricker, the money-making machine himself. Another victory for Strick. BMW PGA Championship on DP World Tour. Ryan Fox wins a one-shot victory seven members of the european Ryder cup team inside the top 10 can't wait for the Ryder cup next weekend okay mark for you uh what's your golf schedule coming up here well i'm gonna play with bob on friday at wooden sticks with our friends from golf ontario so looking forward to that i'm not sure if i can squeeze in nine before that we may or may not try the next friday i'm gonna get to play with you and bob again and our friends from TaylorMade. So I'm looking forward to that. So I'm trying to squeeze in some September golf here. The weather's cooperating, which is nice. So, um, and then October, I don't know. Uh, I heard some, uh, some pretty bad rumors in the Farmer's Almanac about what October could bring. Early frigid temperatures is the rumor for October. So let's hope they're wrong. Okay, not loving that, what you just said there. But hopefully, hopefully the forecast is wrong, obviously. You know, it's, it's wrong. For okay, let's just, how about my Niners, baby? Okay? <laughs> I mean, into L.A., that was a tough game. Not only do yeah. they win, they cover. Starting on the road, 2-0. and I think they host the Giants Thursday night. Mm. Everything looking pretty good. They're a little beaten up, playing sore, so... Need to get this Thursday nighter out of the way. I think it's against the Giants and the home opener of, uh, of the Niners. And then a nice, long, extended break. They get to heal up from that Thursday to the following Sunday and maybe go into week three pretty healthy. That's, that's what I'm hoping. There we go. And I think we'll be in touch about your three-team NFL parlay because you're <laughs> picking some winners right now, both in the NFL and the PGA Tour TSN Edge that too before we sign off here i have to uh, give a special shout out to the crew at bayview golf and country club the golf course in remarkable shape right now for september the greens potentially the best they've been all year so smooth so great thanks to mike and staff at bayview for the greens being as good as they are right now thanks so much for joining us this morning we are back tomorrow in prime time for our celebrate canada special thanks for joining us we'll see you tomorrow night on golf talk Canada. This segment of GTC presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management was brought to you by Adidas Golf and the ZG23. ZG23 continues to push limits on lightweight performance footwear with introduction of Lightstrike and Lightstrike Pro technology. They're light. They perform. They're here to compete. Visit adidas.ca slash golf. Thank you for listening to GTC. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Golf Talk Canada. For show archives, podcasts, and all things GTC, visit GolfTalkCanada.com. And don't miss Golf Talk Canada Television weekly on the TSN Television Network.